As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when Welcome to Anathagas Potable! Boston Celtics Podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen, and we are coming to you Sunday evening after the Celtics take down the Spurs 137 to 93, their third win in a row. We are sitting here at the visitor coaches podium. And Jay King, my question for you is have the Celtics gotten their groove back? I'm gonna answer that with a question. Ooh. When did you stop announcing me as El Nino? What did I say? You I said the kid, the god, the legend. You used to say El Nino, though, didn't you? I have not once ever said El Nino. You just made that up out of nowhere. I swear you used to say El Nino because we had to talk about it one time. I say the kid, the god, the legend every time, and I have a little bit of a fear because I don't remember what order I do it in. And I don't think I – maybe once I've said El Nino. Because my college teammate used to call himself and others the kid all the time. And we call him El Nino. And then I've morphed into him. So shout out to Sam Cohen DeVries. <laughs> Do you know what El Nino is Spanish for? The kid. The Nino. The kid. All other tropical storms bow down to El Nino. I'm making reference to an obscure Chris Farley skit. But um, <laughs> the Celtics, they have won three games in a row by uh, double digits. I forget what the pace is. 20 points in all three of them? I don't know. I don't remember, Jay. But to get back to my original question here, have the Celtics gotten their groove back? Yes. Yes. And it's not like it's like Al Horford said last year when they started beating the shit out of bad opponents. It's not who they're beating. It's not the score. It's the way they're playing. The ball is moving again. They're paying attention to defensive details. Robert Williams is back. They're not giving up over 100 points. Yeah. So the defense has really, really tightened up since Robert Williams got back um, since that Sacramento game. I I think, honestly, like, 
I don't think the Celtics really took a lot of losses too seriously this year. Um, but after that Utah game, it felt like that actually impacted them for whatever reason. They they were actually pissed after that game. And I don't think it was because necessarily of the way it ended uh, with Grant Williams trying to make a play instead of doing the dribble handoff to Jason Tatum. I think it was more like they had decided to turn it on for the stretch run and still lost. And so they were pissed because like this is time and they know it's time. And since then they've behaved like it's time and, and they've just been a lot sharper really than they have been consistently for months over these last few games. I do think the return, like, so you're saying like they realize they flipped the the switch. Yeah. The Spurs are awful. Uh, but like they tried to flip the switch and they realized they didn't have the the juice in it. And so they've just uh, put in more effort. But I, like, That's just my theory, too. I I did not speak to anybody about that in particular. Well, don't undercut your argument uh, before you're about to make it. That was after I made it. I'm sorry I'm not the number one oralist in Boston University Law School right now. Number one seed, baby, Final Four on Tuesday. <laughs> Check it out, 4.30. No, actually, please do not show up. That'd be weird. You know what uh, happens to one seeds this year? They get knocked out. Not not me, baby. I got the facts on my side and the law. Um, but everybody has the facts and law on their side. Not the government. Not in this case. Ooh. It's about individualized reasonable suspicion, Jay, and they just simply don't have it. But let's get back to Robert Williams. He's just he's still coming off the bench, only played 20 minutes tonight, but like – I don't know. They're just their defense looks so much better when he's on the court and they're rebounding. Uh, it's helped that they're playing the Pacers and like uh, Kings on the back to back and the Spurs. But it's just what he does to their depth, just how he shifts Grant Williams to a kind of like a, a smaller role. And he's like, we're no longer relying on him for as much on the defensive end. It it really feels like that's the simplest explanation uh, is that just Robert Williams is really good and as long as he's healthy and can play in all the playoff games, like if he can play 30 minutes in every playoff game, I don't even, he might not even need to play that much just because they have much, so much more added depth. But if he can play north of 25 minutes in every playoff game, it's going to be really hard to beat the Celtics four out of seven. That's probably true, but they also have to be prepared for if he does miss some time and they showed themselves capable earlier this season. They were 21 and, five in their first 26 games. Their offense was just incredible during that time. And so it's not enough to use Robert Williams as a crutch because let's face it, there's a real possibility that at some point during the playoffs, he will have to miss time. We've seen him deal with injuries a lot. He toughed through issues last season. He was literally just hobbling around on one leg. Um, So it's not a toughness thing. It's just, can he stay on the court? Can his body allow him to do that? And that's a huge question for them. And they have to be able to su- survive if he's out for a couple games in a series or if he's limited by some sort of nagging issue that pops up during the playoffs. And so I think it's more about the brand of basketball they're playing than just Robert Williams' impact alone. Like tonight, he was plus 11. They won by 44 points. They were plus 33 in the minutes he didn't play. There's just a life to them right now that they didn't have before. Um, Another interesting subplot lately is that Derek White is playing a lot of minutes. Yeah, ever since you admonished Joe Missoula on the podcast. Did I scold him? 
I think it was a scolding. I think it was a a, a, a tongue lashing. Even he, I think he says uh, this motherfucker needs to play in the fourth quarter. If I uh, can paraphrase your general sentiment there, uh, turns out Derek White's quite good at basketball and probably needs to be playing more. And so it's not surprising that his more of his minutes, as the stats would bear out, uh, uh, have led to the Celtics' success. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. How do you think they approach it? In the playoffs, this, obviously the answer is going to be matchup based, but is starting Derek White, getting Derek White more minutes and bringing Robert Williams off the bench, maybe like not relying so much on Robert Williams, kind of a beneficial approach for them to take um, at moving forward? Depends who you're playing. Um, no, but I already I undercut that. I said it obviously depends on the matchup. So don't don't think about the matchup. But that is a significant part of the answer. Because I, but if I say you can't do that part of the answer, what would your response be? I think most of their uh, most of their best basketball (laughs) over the last two seasons has come with Robert Williams on the court. Most of their best basketball has come with Derek White on the court. So maybe they could both play in key moments. Okay, who are the other three players on the court? If you have both Robert Williams, I'm just spitballing here. It's obviously going to be Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart would be out there probably. But Al Horford's the key to everything. Al Horford is a key in some matchups. We're going back to the matchups thing. Uh If it's Philadelphia, it's got to be Al Horford. If it's Milwaukee, might have to be Al Horford. You might have to go big against Milwaukee. You might have to have both of them on the court against Milwaukee. so I, I really think it just depends on matchups a lot of the time. But and like as good as Derek White has been, like there'll be times probably when he doesn't close either. And and that's fine. I just think the the bigger point is like he should at least be in consideration. He should not be a guy who's just on the bench no matter what during crunch time. Um Malcolm Brogdon was really good today. He he kind of does that uh, frequently. Yeah. But today it was like they were kind of scuffling along. They were down 40 to 34, I think, in the second quarter. And he got a bunch of free throws. He got the Celtics into the bonus super early in the second quarter. Finished his own. He missed missed and finished his own putback and just kind of kick-started them. I, I thought that little run there, is, as much as this turned into just a laughing stock of a game, that was a run that really gave them life that started them rolling a little bit. You know who else was good tonight and has been good for this entire month? Uh, Jalen Brown. Now, I don't know if anyone out there listens to podcasts, but if you do this weekend, you probably heard Jay King on a podcast talking about Jalen Brown. And it was more about the um, contract side of things and obviously like the article in The Ringer and The New York Times. Um, I find that less interesting because I listened to Jay King talk about it for three hours today on different podcasts. But well, let's just talk about on the court. But we need to hear your thoughts as well. Are you scared that Jalen Brown is at least would at least consider leaving the Celtics? Well, from what I've heard today, you have to really consider, uh, you know, just how tough of a time it's been for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. You know, they've been through a lot ever since they came into this league. The Kyrie team, I mean, what they dealt with the email last year. Um, and so, like, he, they've been through a lot. And, and Jalen, especially when he came into the league, like, he wanted a bigger playing time uh, coming like coming off the bench. He obviously wanted a bigger role after for, that. Kyrie. For those of you who have not listened to my appearance on, was that the Slam and Gem? 
Uh, um, no, this is both Cinema Jam and Weekends with Waz. Uh, you basically, did you have bullet points you were referencing? Or is it no, the- that was just <laughs> off the top of the brain. But Packard is just repeating exactly what I said. Pretty much word for word. It's kind of, kind of impressive. Um, the recall there. I guess that's what makes you such a promising young lawyer in training. Really, what I think about Jalen Brown is that if he and forward Jalen Brown, everyone needs to start get on message. Malcolm Brogdon failed that tonight when he called Jalen Brown the best <laughs> yeah, that, shooting that guard in the league. Mistake. Big mistake. Poor PR messaging there. Jalen Brown is a forward. He plays uh, next to Marcus Smart and Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon repeatedly. He is a small forward. He is a forward because he is, needs to be a forward in order to get All-NBA. But also, he is a forward. He's played like 60% of his time at either small forward or power forward this year. The All NBA thing—it's stupid how they do it. Um, because really, like forward isn't even really a position anymore. It's like, are you a wing? Are you a ball handler? Are you a big man? That's kind of what Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens four positions, yeah, yeah. Um, and he's a wing, but he, All NBA wing. But yeah, the guard field is like really, really difficult to crack. But the forward field. Looks like he has an opening and looks like he's poised to step in there and seize it. But especially with the march he's having, uh, yeah. this is before the 40 piece tonight. He was averaging 28, 27.6 points per game. That's going to go up. Shooting 39% from the field or from three, 51% from the field. He's just been very good and the kind of the lone bright spot when the Celtics have been lackadaisical. He's been the one to bring it with intensity every single night, and he's playing him way onto that All NBA team. And so ultimately, I think this he's going to get that supermax extension and get all the money and uh, sign the long term deal. And I don't think it's a big deal. But just like having been a fan of Jalen Brown for his entire career in Boston, he's never really one to be like give the like political answer about like when asked about like. I don't know his contract things or his like feelings on on Boston or thing like that. I feel so like part of it feels like him being just negotiating for himself and being like, I want to go somewhere I'm appreciated. You better offer me the max money. And then part of it is just like, yeah, there's some fans in Boston who annoy me, or there's other things that are like, it's like, yeah, that's obvious. We're all on the internet and realize there's annoying fans out there. And so I don't know. I think it's just Jalen Brown being who Jalen Brown is and saying his mind and be like, yeah, when we made the finals and you uh, wanted to trade me for Kevin Durant. That was annoying. <laughs> like, I don't know what you expect Jalen Brown to say in that context. It feels like he's just kind of being honest about when asked these questions by reporters. Uh, and But I don't know. His play on the court, especially in the last month, shows like he's pretty locked in and devoted to the Celtics winning basketball games and their like kind of effort to win a championship. So I'm not too concerned about it. It just kind of feels like the latest thing to talk about because – it happened to be a New York Times article followed by a Ringer article, like, and now it's a bigger deal than it normally would be. The uh, the All NBA stuff is starting to get very promising for him. I think Fred Katz wrote an article about Julius Randle's All NBA candidacy last week, and in it, uh, he took a vote of thirty nine writers around the league. Whoa, whoa. That's stealing Bontemps' valor there. You're not allowed to poll the rest of the league. I think, I think Bontemps is okay when people do a straw poll for one individual player. And it's all NBA too, so it's not the MVP lane that he stays in with his straw poll. 
But the well, Bontemps got to box out and take the lane for all polling in uh, NBA media. But what would the poll say? That being said, but in that um, the poll said Jalen Brown was a third team. He was the last person on the forward list, and I actually think there's like room for him to potentially edge up to second team because on that I think Julius Randle made second team, and Lowry Markinen was the other third team member. Uh, and I think it's certainly possible that Jalen passes either of those two guys. It's also possible for him to fall out. But when you look at a lot of would-be candidates, a lot of them have just missed a lot of time. Like Kawhi Leonard missed a lot of time. LeBron James missed a lot of time. Um, who else missed a lot of time? And full full transparency, if you read Fred's article. Which you can find on The Athletic. I was one of the people who voted. Oh. And uh, I was the one who said motherfucker in a quote. That's just not surprising whatsoever. And told Fred to put that in the story. Um, what, what was the con- full context of the quote? Jalen Brown's third team motherfucker? No, it was uh, it was about Julius Randle. We're not being duped by Julius Randle again, motherfucker? No, it had just mattered to me that – no, I had him on my third team and it was because he'd played a ton. And compared to a lot of the other guys, like playing a lot of games for a team that I think they're in fifth place, right? The Knicks playing a lot of games and and leading a team to fifth place along with Jalen Brunson, like that matters when it's like a pretty close vote between guys. And I think honestly at that forward spot between a lot of the guys, it will be a close vote. And Jalen hasn't missed much time this year. Like Jalen has been consistently available. And I think that's a plus for him too, especially compared to, a lot of the guys who have missed a lot of time. He's played 63 games so far, so probably will finish uh, upper at least 60s, upper maybe 60s, low 70s. maybe low 70s. I definitely think he's uh, a third-team All-NBA player, at least. Um, if he keeps playing like this, too. Especially like, if he keeps playing like this, and it feels like there's no reason why he shouldn't. The Celtics have a very easy schedule uh, the rest of the way, save for a game against Milwaukee and a game against the philadelphia 76ers it's going to be interesting i think as we're speaking the celtics are what a game and a half back of the bucks um the celtics have a game against the washington wizards on tuesday the bucks have two games one against the pistons one against the pacers so they should be probably a full two games up assuming that the celtics and the bucks win all three of those games the bucks would be two games up heading into the matchup on thursday what do you think the Celtics' chances are to get the one seed, and how important do you think it is for them to get the one seed? I forget who the Bucks are playing the rest of the way, um, but that could be really important. Look, like, granted, the the Celtics won Game Six on the road, but Game Seven is different than Game Six, and winning game winning Game Seven on the road is a mighty task. I think it's like. 80% of all game seven, something like that, or close to that. Have, okay, we're going to do a mini a mini the, prediction the of team. podcast right now for the Bucks' remaining schedule. Pistons. That's probably a win. Pacers. We'll, we'll go with win on both of those. Yeah, win. Uh, back-to-back against the Celtics on Thursday. But Celtics probably, eh, it's in Milwaukee. It's a big game. I, I'll go Celtics there. All right. Then Sunday night, Bucks against the 76ers. Bucks win that one. Bucks against the Wizards. Bucks win that one. 
Bulls Bucks with the new new look Bulls, the best defense in the league. Patrick Beverly doing a too small and a PU to the Lakers, uh, which is a bold move, which I respected. He will not be doing a too small to Giannis, <laughs> who will get to win that night. All right, Grizzlies Bucks. That will be that that could be a big game for the Celtics right there. And it depends what the Grizzlies are doing in the seeding. Um, but they could be in a fight for the second seed in the West. So that could be a big game. Um, I still think the Bucks will probably lose. If the Celtics beat them, they'll probably lose two times. Well, if the Celtics are two games back, they're going to need uh, – They could need to go undefeated the rest the, of the way. The Celtics either go undefeated the rest of the way or hope the Bucks lose two additional times after the Celtics and going through that schedule – not a lot of like real tough games for the Bucks. They are really rooting for the 76ers. Um, I don't think it's that important. Like they're I don't know how much home court advantage has like that much of an impact on uh especially didn't have a, a huge impact last year. The Celtics won that game six in Milwaukee, won that game seven on the road, really almost choked it away in game seven uh in Miami, but I don't think that had anything to do with home court advantage. That was just uh you know, classic Celtics of last year. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. I think the two seed is def- is like getting – like securing the two seed is important. I just think that right now with the uh, Heat pretty much putting themselves in the six seed, like the two seed gives you just a, a – probably a first-round matchup against the Nets, home court against the 76ers, which I just said doesn't matter. So forget I said that. Um, but really I don't think seeding matters – at all, as long as the team is healthy and heading into the playoffs. Like, it just doesn't seem like it's the biggest deal in the world right now. Yeah, that's that's probably right. Um, but it could – I mean, it could really matter against Milwaukee. Milwaukee's awesome. And any advantage that you can give yourself, including home court advantage, would be nice. <laughs> but but at this stage, it just seems far-fetched that the Celtics will – at the one seed like but it's not one of the they four put themselves in a really bad place there they just have it's not one of the four factors joe missoula looks to after a game when he's checking the box score he doesn't say which team was at home and so i don't know if it really factors into winning basketball but it actually does impact i would guess that teams rank lower in the four factors when they are on the road Ooh, second tier and that second level analysis there. yeah how do the four factors uh, factor into home court advantage Maybe you should probably slide down a seed there for getting out argued by the kid. I'm just merely asking questions here. This is not an adversarial uh, podcast. I would say I I like to compete, so I think it is adversarial. I mean, generally it is. We 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 literally it. just did like a picking of games. And yeah, I, but that I was right that, though. That wasn't, I was right. That wasn't me versus you. That was just me asking but your opinion. It's me against myself, and I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> it should be a team relationship, like more of a point guard. I ask you questions, and then you show everyone how much basketball knowledge you have. Uh, it's kind of like a an alley oop, some might call it. Great basketball knowledge. Um, let's talk a little bit more about Jalen Brown's game. We really didn't talk about what he did tonight. Maybe it's not that important. Dominate. Just get into the paint and score at will. <laughs> it was, he he had like he he brought out the full bag tonight. He started it off. With like just bullying Devin Vassell for Vassell for like an easy layup. Um, he pulled out like 
some spin moves. He pulled out the like Keon Clark, like sort of a dunk, not really a it wasn't dunk. Wasn't a dunk. I don't think it was a dunk. Threw it in. The old Blake Griffin Keon Clark special. Um, he smooth lefty layups as he's as he's want to do. Yeah, it, it was just a two point show that he put on. He he might be the new two point daddy. Ooh, no one has uh, ascended to the throne of two point daddy since the departure of Gordon Hayward. But Jalen probably deserves to be two point daddy, right? Mid range is on point. Yes, he's be- he's become somebody with like every type of finish. Sixteen two pointers tonight, finishing with forty one points. Uh, do, do you have a different type of confidence in his decision making now than you did last season, than you did earlier this season? Um, is that a real improvement that could matter in playoffs, or is it just like he's playing a little sharper right now? It does feel like just his general feel for the game and his passing and decision-making is slightly better. That being said, when you asked me the question, I immediately went to – there was a portion of the game where he had, I think it was three possessions in a row where he just dribbled it off his foot. <laughs> yeah, today might be the wrong day to talk about that. Uh, he had five turnovers. But for the most part, it's been like low turnovers, high assists for him lately compared to what he usually does. So it it just feels like he's reading the game too. I thought – there were two passes that weren't even assists that were just like really good passes. There were there was one cross court to Al Horford and there was another cross court. I think it was Malcolm Brogdon. And it was just like he got in the paint, took his time, read the floor and found the right guy. And both times they were tough passes, but he still delivered it. Uh, so I actually think like compared to last year, compared to certainly other parts of his career, like – I do feel like he's continuing to make progress on that front. He's not like still not the greatest decision maker, still not the greatest passer in the world, but it just seems like he's been more willing to make those passes. And, and because like, they really don't have a ton of guys who can just like get into the paint on their own. Like they have a lot of guys who can beat closeouts and dribble and and make plays that way. But like when he gets to the paint and makes the right decisions, it just, it makes them pop because he can get in the paint better than anyone on their team. Like he's just, it's really, really hard to keep him in front of you. Yeah. And especially in the playoffs where, you know, game slows down, you imagine a bunch of teams are just going to switch everything. Like his ability to beat bigger guys off the, off the dribble, get into the paint. And then the Celtics offense just seems to be so much better as soon as they drive and kick, get paint touches. And so if that starts with him being kind of the engine of that, everything gets better. And then in the playoffs, you just need a guy who can go up and get a mid-range like jumper. Like sometimes you just need mid-range offense, uh, especially when the game slows down and you just have confidence in his ability to make that shot, the drive, the kind of like, he does that pivot, turn back, fade away. Like he has all of that in his game and he just feels like he's playing very good basketball right now. And with the kind of improvement with on the Celtics with the defensive end with the return of Rob Williams, I think the most dangerous he is is in transition where he is just, I think the best transition player uh, on the Celtics just in terms of his, the angles he takes, uh, his ability to get to the rim um, and so if the Celtics can kind of continue to ratchet up the defense and get more turnovers, I think Jalen becomes even more dangerous. Yeah, and, and that to me, as good as he is and as as many points as he can score in transition, and obviously when you got get out in transition just by like 
the numbers game, that's a better opportunity than you're going to get most of the time in the half court. If you look at last year, and I, I honestly haven't checked his numbers this year. It certainly feels like he's been a little sharper. But last year, he was like one of the highest in terms of transition opportunities because he always like looks for the opening. He, he's always able to like push the pace and get in between guys and slice it. But like efficiency wise, compared to the other high volume guys, he just wasn't on the same level as most of them. And and I don't honestly know what they, those stats are, but from a total decision making they feel season. better. It, he it, feels more efficient. It just seems like the process is better for him there right now, whether he's finding guys, um, whether he's attacking. It, it just feels like like for the most part. And, and look, that's a big deal. Like they lost games last year because of turnovers. They lost games last year in the playoffs. I'm talking about because of their decision making. Like that was the biggest thing that held them back in all of their losses. Like you can point to literally every single loss. It was like, decision making at the wrong times and and so if that is better even if it's mildly better and especially if it's substantially better then then that could could make all the difference yeah i thought it was interesting that's like what missoula said tonight after the game is how much jalen's improved at not just reading his own defender but reading where the help's coming from and making the right read that way especially at the rim rim reads are are very important uh I couldn't have told you that, but Joe Mazzulla tells me that, and I'm just going to parrot what he says. Um, but, yeah. just can, to, can you find what the Spurs shot in the second half? I certainly can. Because I didn't look that up, but At some I, point, I remember they were shooting like 50% midway through the second quarter, and they ended up shooting 37%. At some point, there was a 54-20 to 20 run uh, by the Boston Celtics. This was a six-point game at some point in the third quarter, and then all of a sudden I looked up and it was a 30-point game. The Spurs, they scored 35 points in the second half. That's not a lot. 35? That's not a lot. They shot 29%. They were 14 for 48. Zero <laughs> for 16 from three. They did not make a three-point shot. The stats are crazy. I didn't even I honestly didn't even look at the stats because it was such a fucking blowout that by the end I just I didn't look at a lot of the things I normally would. Um why the Celtics shot 61% in the second half. They scored 41 points in the fourth quarter, and the Spurs scored 35 in the second half. Absolute blowout. Now, as the biggest member of the Jason Tatum Needs Rest uh, controversial storyline creator, Jay King. That's not main, a creator. Mainstream media blowing things out of proportion. You are yet to mention that Jason Tatum got a full day of rest today. That was awesome. Silent about it. That was awesome. Silence is definitely Good for them. Good for them to not only do it, but then take care of business without him. Because they did it earlier this year against the Orlando Magic. And he was <laughs> at his, his son's birthday party or whatever. But they blew it against the Magic and lost two straight against the Magic, which would be pretty important games right now, by the way. Uh, but, but yeah, that, that's huge to give him an opportunity to – get off his legs and, and get some rest and just get an easy day. Cause obviously with playoffs coming, he's going to be playing a lot of minutes. Imagine how many minutes he's going to play in the playoffs. Are you going to ask questions about it then? Yeah. Jason Tatum played 45 minutes tonight. Is that too much? 
look, I am not the only one concerned about Jason Tatum's minutes. And also, he came out of the All-Star break playing like either a man who was tired or a man who was It's not that he was tired. It's that he didn't care. It's totally different, Jay. Are you sure, though? No. See? Oh. <laughs> Settle that. Can we talk about Blake Griffin being an insane person and taking a charge while the team is up 40? That was Joe Mazzullo's favorite play of the game. <laughs> that was my favorite play of the game. That was... Actually, my favorite play of the game was Marcus Smart doing a cool behind-the-back dribble uh, for a layup in the first quarter. I think that was the peak of the game. And then Marcus Smart getting ejected uh, and just la- cackling as he left the stadium. <laughs> I don't know what he said to get ejected, but he said something that made him chuckle. Yeah, he wasn't too concerned about that. Uh, did he speak to the to the no to the media after the game? No, no, he did not. He, uh, I don't want to say he snuck out, but uh, he just cackled in the reporter's face <laughs> as he left. <laughs> no way, I'm talking about that, folks. We thought we were going to talk to him, and then he was gone. And that's all I know. Um, did Robert Williams say anything interesting after the game? No. Touche. No. Fair enough. He's, he said. <laughs> I thought it was funny um, what he thought changed from the start of the game. He's like, we stopped giving them life. (laughs) (laughs) Like, basically, we were the only reason they were alive in the first place. And then we killed them off. Um, Which, I that cracked me up. Just because he said it really matter-of-factly. And uh, looking, I mean, 29%, they... They did not give them life. life. There was no life. Speaking of Jason Tatum, how do you feel about him tweeting about his own shoes, the new Huevos Bancheros that uh, dropped tonight with like three minutes left in the game? Because I'm all for it. That's a flex. I think that's badass. I uh, Would you say that means he wasn't locked into his teammate's success? No, they were up by 35. Would, he was locked you, in for – he was the – they'd you, already killed. The body was already cold at this point. Would you say that means he, See, look, he your instinct is to drum up controversy. Would you say that means he does not care at all about J.D. Davison or the charge Blake Griffin took? He missed the most important play of the game, the best play of the game. He missed Joe Mazzula's highlight of the we game. We don't know that. Tweeting is not necessarily – he could have done it from the bench. He was – I don't think you're allowed to tweet from the bench. Says, "Oh, I, I don't think wanna, NBA rules. I don't want to narc on him, but he could have possibly been tweeting." From no, the bench. I think he was on the bench for the first half. Was not there in the second half. Um, so how, like I tweet, I tweet all the time. Doesn't mean I, I miss those plays. He could have just been back, just like done a little tweet, looked up, was like, "Yo, great charge, Blake, JD Davidson, amazing three point shot." I'm just saying, Kyrie skipped a game seven. And Jason Tatum was tweeting during the fourth quarter of a 44-point win against San Antonio. That – those are equal in your mind. No. <laughs> no, they are not. All right. In a zombie apocalypse, who would be the first to die? We'll read your answer and then we'll reveal Jalen Brown's answer and Marcus Smart's answer. Okay. Um, Is that the question? I was actually – Transparency, I missed the first quarter. I was too busy doing law stuff, so I did not see this live. So they said on the Jumbotron, they asked the Celtics players first who was who would be the first to die, and then who would be the final survivor. And first to die. Um, I feel- Grant, Grant Williams would be first to die. Because <laughs> they, they would just get annoyed by him? 
I think he's just Why like, would he be the first to die? I feel like the the whole team would be like, Ray, you talk to the zombies, and then they'd run away. He does seem to be a very If I was writing guy. a movie, it's like it's funniest if Grant dies first while go like while talking. Like that's just the most I think humorous to me. And I think uh that's my I don't have any concrete reasoning behind that. But it does feel like Grant goes down number one. See, I, I don't know. If if you were a zombie, would you go after the top like do zombies think? Now, that's an existential question that uh, I have to take some time to ponder. <laughs> Do zombies think? Are zombies still capable of human thought despite being the undead? Hmm. They, no, because most zombie shows I've seen, zombies are not very strategic in their... Well, you've never seen a zombie show from the perspective of the zombie. You've only seen they're... zombie shows <laughs> from the perspective of the people trying to hide from the zombies. You don't know... But whether, have they been whether strategic? they're communicating with each other? In have, some are way. they strategic in their targeting of those people? Why have we never seen a zombie show with the perspective of the zombie? Because they don't think, and because that perspective would be boring. It would just be blood, bodies. Like that's not. But that's, that's not. Nuanced. How are they always able to beat the fuck out of the humans if it's they sheer, can't think? It's a sheer. No, it's a. They got. They got zombie strength. It's got nothing to do with brain capability. Uh, I'm just saying. To me. Okay. A thinking species would beat a non-thinking species any day. Okay. You are a zombie. You have been infected. Who are you going after on the Celtics? It's you and the Celtics in a gym. You are undead. You have all your brain capacity as you do as the kid El Nino J. King. Who's your number one target? I think Mike Muscala would go first. I think he, he'd be the first to fall. Yeah, he, I, he does kind of – they call him a moose. I mean, I, that seems like a, an easy target. My he answer, also he's also a very likable guy, and I feel like in a zombie, at least a movie about a zombie apocalypse, like it'd be an easy thing to like show him being a very nice guy, and then show him dying, and then like that's how it begins. Okay, who's the lone survivor? I, I thought Jalen Brown made a very compelling point, um, which was that. He thought Derek White would be the the last survivor because the zombies would just forget that Derek <laughs> White was there. That's so mean. <laughs> but also very true. <laughs> also very true. Like he's just a very unassuming guy. And then they cut to Derek White who said that he would be the final survivor <laughs> because he would just be in a shelter somewhere. Just like chilling. Just chilling. Like he, he wouldn't try to be a hero. He would just be hanging out, playing video games, like waiting for the storm to go by. I mean, I feel like that's a great answer. I can't think of anyone else. Mark, Marcus him. Smart would be the other. Like if if he was, it depends on whether he was a main character. Like if he was a main character, he would survive forever. No, but this is from the zombies' perspective, Jay. You forget about that. That was well, the, uh, we're, we haven't determined whether it's from the zombies' perspective or not. Um, but I just think Marcus Smart, he'd either be the first one, he'd be one of the first to go or the last. I think he'd be second to last. He would fight everyone off and then sacrifice himself so Derek White could be alone he, in his uh, little cabin. He could kind of have some gladiator, like that movie, like just beats the fuck out of everyone, and but then has like the burden of being the goat fighter. And so the zombies yeah. are just like all over him. I think there's a, a high probability, probability, 
more probable than not that Robert Williams is the last survivor only because I feel like he could get bit and just not change and just be immune and just be chilling as a zombie and not like he, nothing would change for him. You think he would have zombie immunity? <laughs> I think out of anyone on the team, he's the most likely to have zombie immunity. I'm trying to think who else might have zombie <laughs> immunity right now. This is, these are questions I didn't think I'd be pondering tonight. <laughs> I mean, the Spurs scored 35 points in the second half. I think this is more valid discussion. Zombie immunity. See, I, I think – I don't know about zombie immunity, but I feel like Peyton Pritchard would have a chance to survive too. Uh, would he though? Like that's a scrappy I, dude. He's that very is a scrappy. scrappy very dude. fast too. Extremely fast. Um, I just, I just feel like he'd have a real – Real shot to survive. Although, would he be able to thrive in a world without basketball where he couldn't get up at 4 a.m. and dribble till his knuckles bleed? We're also underestimating Al Horford. He's got dad instincts, too. He's got to protect the babies. Plus, like, this dude is 36 years old. He's just put so much work into his body. He's not going to let that just fall by the wayside just because of <laughs> He's not going to let all zombies. his body work <laughs> It's got nothing to do with his children. It's just he's got such a good body at this point. He doesn't want to let that go to waste. Um, he's got a title chance. This this could be his last best title chance. He's not going to give that up just because of fucking zombies. Uh, how do you say that name, J. King? Mamu. Uh, can we get a language of origin, please? Just Mamu. Seton Hall. Seton Hall. Seton Hall East. He had a... Seen Hallies or Sengali? What are you saying? You asked for the language. Yeah, you said Seton Hall. Yes, that's where he went to school. <laughs> so they have their own language in New Jersey. Yes. Uh, guy attacks the back basket hard, though. I like his game. I honestly believe in him. Obviously, there was not a place in Milwaukee for him, but I think he's actually going to be okay. He's kind of like the poorest man's DeMontis Sabonis, and I say that because he's lefty, but also has game and is a bruiser. He's definitely a bruiser. He definitely takes it to the rack hard. I definitely uh, appreciate that about him. But he can pass a little bit. He can, he can handle a little bit. Like for a guy his size, it's pretty rare. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, I'm just looking through other observations from tonight. Jay King, LeBron James said he went to two doctors and they said, you need season ending surgery. And then he said he went to see LeBron James of feet who said he would be able to return. Yes. One, what do you think about going to see LeBron James of feet? When he said that, um, just kind of <laughs> hilarious quote, by the way. It's a wild thing to say. Hilarious thing to say about yourself. I might start start saying that when I go to the doctor. Like, <laughs> Are you the J King? Of- <laughs> when I go to the dentist, I went to the J King of teeth today. <laughs> like, what, what the fuck did that even mean? Uh, so, he also started talking about how doctors told him he is the greatest healer who ever lived. I'm like... I kind of believe him, though. He is very good. Yeah, yeah you know what? But he also has gotten in a lot of trouble recently he is for Lebr- lying. He's LeBron James of healing. <laughs> <laughs> LeBron James is the LeBron James of healing. I will give him that. Uh, that Yeah. Okay, the, but we need to LeBron talk about your deliberate trolling. Because uh, you saw this tweet and decided to quote tweet with saying, why wouldn't you go to the best uh, foot doctor. Some people call them podiatrists. Some people think foot doctors are less than because you don't have to go to real medical school. I wouldn't say that, but some people are saying that. But you made a decision to just... Do you to, really not have to go to med school to become a foot doctor? It's not the same like level of med school. It's like a it's like a, a separate school. I bet his doctor went to med school. I don't, no, because the LeBron James of feet would not go to any college. <laughs> straight out of high school. True. He just started doing surgery straight out of high school. But you made a decision because you were just tremendously bored in the first quarter of Celtic Spurs and decided just to poke the bear of LeBron stands online. Did you get any pushback for saying that LeBron is not the best or not the GOAT? No. No, I, I didn't get enough, and that's why I deleted it. <laughs> you not, deleted it. I, I didn't know you I deleted del- it. I deleted it not because – I I found any problem with it, but because it didn't get the it, intended response, it wasn't producing the rage I had hoped for. Maybe it, maybe it could have if like one Lakers person had retweeted, but I also think the Lakers fans are like probably Kobe Bryant people, probably Kareem people. Like I'm not sure even Lakers fans are like LeBron is that guy. Okay, so let's talk about a group of fans that you thoroughly pissed off recently. Uh, but they're wrong, by the way. LeBron is at least number two. On the greatest of all time. Who's wrong? Never mind. I'm not. We're not getting into an MJ LeBron debate. I want to talk about you pissing off all of Providence College and the entire state <laughs> of Rhode Island. Enough for people saying uh, my favorite tweet was saying everyone on the Celtics beat knows Jay King is a certified clown. Yeah. I I didn't even go back and look what you said to to get this wrath of. PC Friar fans, but you pissed them off good. What happened? Well, because their athletic director, Ed Cooley, left. Shout out to Ed Cooley. He used to be assistant coach at Boston College when I went to BC College basketball camp, and he ran all the camps. Great guy. Love Ed Cooley. A lot of people love Ed Cooley. Providence fans don't love him right now. Um, But he left for Georgetown, 
which is a better job, even though they haven't won lately. It'd be like legacy school. Yeah, like if blue blood, if Duke or Kentucky didn't win for a while, like you could still that's still a a big time freaking job. And uh, the AD was all mad and just whining like a little bitch. <laughs> you, you didn't know if you're gonna say it, but you committed. I didn't know if I was gonna say it either. Um, and and look, like. He was complaining that Georgetown talked to his coach before the season was over, that he he thought that Georgetown AD was a mentor to him as a first-year AD. Like, first of all, if you're that naive to think that the Georgetown AD wouldn't take your coach Can because – exclusive rights over th- Ed Cooley? Then you should not be an AD in the first place. Like, and pe- people are mad. I, despite what Providence people think, I actually – I've read about the story. I know that there are rumors that he was ta- like oh. basically committed to Georgetown before the end of the season. Providence collapses on the stretch. Um, oh, because he always had one foot out the door. My brother is an assistant basketball coach. Saw Ed Cooley recruiting for Providence <laughs> mere weeks ago, which is after these people think that he had already checked out and decided to go to Georgetown. Um, there was also this whole saga about whether he sold his house because they put the house on the market like months ago. But Ed Cooley claims that it was because his children are off to school and they were just downsizing. Empty nest. They were just planning to downsize. Rational time to put your house His in the daughter market. also goes to Georgetown. Oh. And he said she's going to stay around there after she graduates school. So – Ed Cooley has so many reasons to go to Georgetown. <laughs> and this AD was just whining and whining like a classless little child. And uh, That's uh, at by J. King for all you Providence fans <laughs> out there. If you have any messages about uh, what Jay has said today, and if you need also, to correct the record. Also, Ed Cooley was not only like a very good coach who kept them at the near the top of a very good conference for a while. Won, I think, their first Big East tournament championship. One, like, got them to the Elite Eight, right? They made the Elite Eight one year under him. He has, I think, like, the second most wins in school history. Like, handle the other stuff silently. Like, talk to the Georgetown AD about what you want to talk about. You just sound like a whiny, whiny dude. Thank him. Thank Ed Cooley, wish him well, and uh, and shut up about all the other stuff. Now, how do you respond <laughs> to the allegations? I'm sure that one will go over well. Yeah. How Providence do you respond? fans are going to never listen to our podcast again. I was going to say some things I shouldn't have, but uh, I don't want to turn away any fans. But how do you respond to the allegations that everyone on the Celtics beat knows you're a clown? Well, it depends how they mean it. Because in, in, some ways, in some ways, I am a clown. Like, I don't really take myself seriously. I don't take anything too seriously. But I would hope that when it comes to the job, um, the others around the beat respect me and consider me one of the people that could write a story that is at least somewhat worthy of of reaction. Now, what do you say to the allegations that you are a clown because 
You were in Sacramento and we spent 20 minutes talking about the Mermaid Dive Bar and you walked past it and you couldn't even snap a pic for your boy. You walked past it and said, hey, that's the Mermaid Dive Bar. We spent a good half hour discussing. I'm not going to mention it at all or do anything. I'm not even going to – you're not even going to walk in and look at the mermaids. You just like sauntered on past. So here's the thing. It was – by the time I got out of the arena, it was cold. It was raining. Sounds like you needed a beverage. It was cold. It was raining. And I walked by the dive bar on my way back to the hotel. And there was a crowd outside and there was loud music thumping. Crowd outside because the dive bar is where it's at. And I thought that is not what I want any part of. That is not my scene. I'm, I'm not the guy who listens to loud thumping music and decides I need to go in there. Or sees a crowd outside and decides I need to go in there. That's that's I, true. I'm a, I'm a quiet bar type of guy. You're a loud guy at a quiet bar type guy. Uh, I'm trying to remember situations. I think one time in Vegas, I saw you at like a club with loud music. Uh, I believe I was wearing a Jay Crowder jersey. Uh, <laughs> I, do, I do recall. <laughs> I do recall that night. I believe it was an epic night, but we won't we won't share the details. Um. Final thing, just need to correct the record from last podcast. I was misinformed about Nick Friedman's ability to No, uh, you were you were not misinformed. You were just not informed at all. I was ill-informed. Uh, I did not have the stats to back it up. I just had a feeling, much like you have a feeling about Jalen Brown's improved transition efficiency. I had a feeling Nick Friedman was the best replay review guy in the game since that uh statement it's been proven to be correct i think he was 13 of 14 on reviews this year one wildly low number of challenges used by steve clifford there 14 challenges in the entire uh season (laughs) they're probably getting blown out every night he's probably like let's just not extend this let's go home even when they win they lose because victor Wembanyama is sitting out there so why would you challenge a lot I don't know, but when you make that decision, when you go to someone, you need someone with some consistency. Nick Friedman is there to uh, make the right call. That being said, have to give credit to Nick Friedman and Dennis Smith Jr. Nick Friedman was his coach pre-draft, and now Dennis Smith Jr. is having a resurgence upon his return to the Charlotte uh, and the North state of North Carolina under the tutelage of Nick Friedman for single-handedly ending the Maverick seasons with back-to-back wins. That is wild. <laughs> it's absolutely the, insane. The Mavericks are crumbling. Like, how, and not only did they lose to the Hornets twice, they lost to the Hornets without a number of their better players. Like, this is just a skeleton squad. The Hornets have like eight active there. guys. Literally, just a skeleton squad they've got out there, and they just beat Luca and Kyrie two straight games with Dallas's playoff life potentially on the line. Dennis Smith Jr. revenge game. The vibes are not great in Dallas. They're not. Now, possibly, would you have might have predicted that when you learned that Kyrie Irving was joining that team? I'm not saying that it's his fault. I am saying <laughs> that, that he is to blame. <laughs> <laughs> that it was wildly predictable that he would not turn around the Mavericks' fortunes, and in fact, could actually be part, become part of the reason. That Luka Doncic grows dissatisfied with his situation. And so I'm not saying that it's Kyrie's fault that Luka revealed that he no longer smiles on a basketball court. 
I missed that quote. And revealed that he's as frustrated as he's been in his entire career. I've seen a lot of people when like in Kyrie Irving's sphere of influence not smile and be frustrated. I'm just saying there's not a not a causation here thing, but a high correlation, I would say. Hey, Theo Pinson backed him up. I mean, what more do you need than that? Theo Pinson <laughs> backed up Kyrie. Uh, but yeah, things are not going great over there. They are – it's a possible implosion in Dallas. I think it's – And they, they don't have much time. Like they've got to convince Kyrie to stay. Or if they don't want him to stay anymore, then that's an even bigger issue because – now you're out of bullets. Wild stuff. Wild stuff in the NBA. They lost to the Hornets twice. That's incredible. And Dennis Smith Jr. twice uh, because of Nick Freeman. People forget I was at Dennis Smith Jr.'s draft party. Uh, it was very bizarre. He was 19. No one was there was drinking alcohol except for your boy Jam Packard. Uh, really stuck out like a sore thumb. Don't know why. I was Where was this draft party? At some like restaurant club in uh, New York City after the draft. Was everything paid for or were you – and you were the one person ordering mm-hmm. alcoholic beverages on the tab or were you paying for your own alcoholic beverages? That's a very good question. I wish I knew the answer. Um <laughs> Because because one just sounds a little If I was just hilarious. stealing money from recent draft pick Dennis Smith Jr. Just because I showed up with my uh, his pre-draft coach, that's the funnier story. But I can't say for certain what the uh, what happened there. It was a smaller draft party. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a huge party. It was mostly friends and family from the North Carolina area and then uh, me. And so um, I do take a lot of credit for his success. In the NBA, I know there's been a lot of struggles recently, uh, but now he's back. And so when I'm around, people are, are smiling and it's good vibes. When Kyrie Irving's around, people are no longer smiling and are frustrated. That's juxtaposition. Juxtaposition, baby. All right. We've run out of – I've run out of things to say. Do you have any other observations from this game, the Pacers game, from Sacramento? Anything else – before we the, say goodbye to the folks. The jury is still out. But J.D. Davidson appears to be able to throw quite an alley-oop. He, 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 was, he was tossing alley-oops left and right in Summer League. He has been an assist hound in Maine. And he hit Luke Cornett with a really nice alley-oop tonight. Well, Luke Cornett did not finish it. But it was a very nice pass. Great pass. Great pass. What would happen if he played together with Robert Williams? Wild stuff. Is he is he okay, you want to do a, a, an actual basketball discussion to end this podcast? Is JD Davidson right now ready to come in and fill Peyton Pritchard's role from this season as kind of like backup backup point guard? No. Will he be next Absolutely year? Not. Will he be next year? Is there a path Probably for not. J.D. Davidson moving forward? Is he a main legend? No, I, I think eventually there's a path. But Peyton Pritchard is like a decent backup point guard. He's not a bad backup point guard. And he's been helpful to the Celtics when he has played. He played playoff minutes. And there's just such a high level of decision-making and intelligence and ability to shoot a three that you need to play on this particular Celtics team in the stakes in the games with the stakes that they're going to have. Um, so I just think 
JD has a lot to work on, but but he's got gifts. Like he's he's super athletic. He can clearly see the court. Um, his start in Maine, I think. I can't say I've been paying a ton of attention. A lot of assists up there to what he's been doing, but at least from like a peripheral, just usually look at the stats and highlights type of thing. It's at least mildly promising for a guy who was drafted late in the second round. But he'll never be Peyton Pritchard. He could one day be Peyton Pritchard. He's like six years younger than Peyton Pritchard. Really? How old's Peyton Pritchard? 25, right? I don't know. You tell me. You're the one with all I the information. I think he's 25. You're the one with Google right in front of you. Peyton Pritchard is 25 years old. Born in 1998. That makes me feel old. Um, his parents are Terry Pritchard, Melissa Pritchard. He went to the University of Oregon and was born in Tulatin. Sick. You told me to Google it. I'm just giving you the information. I told you to Google his, his age. I know, but that's Not, what I do. I went the just extra- <laughs> start reading the entire Wikipedia page about him. I went the extra mile. I provide that extra details but you why, needed. Why didn't you just – like there's got to be something interesting on his Wikipedia page. Click the link. You want me to click his dad? His dad has his own link, Terry Pritchard. Yeah, he was a former Oklahoma football player. You already knew all the interesting things. There's nothing new I could teach you about the Pritchards. You've already been to Tulatin to do your research. His mother was an incredible athlete too. Also Oklahoma's finest. Well, what made them go from Oklahoma to Oregon, Jay? It makes you think. That's a very good question. That's why, that's why I'm the lawyer and you're the journalist, you know? That's why I'm considered widely considered a clown <laughs> on the Celtics beat. All right. We have gone for, I would think, a half hour longer than I thought we were going to do after talking about this 41-point victory by the Boston Celtics over the San Antonio Spurs. The Celtics have a one game in Washington, D.C. The Celtics are going to Washington before a huge game against the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll be back Later in the week to break it all down for you. Thank you, guys. Before you scream, I just want to shout out to the Providence fans <laughs> because they really were intense. Like I didn't know they cared that much. My mentions, I'm still getting replies from my tweets about the Providence AD, and people are furious. People are extremely mad. How concerned are you that like there's a, a, a Venn diagram of – Providence basketball fans and members of organized crime who happen to reside in the Providence area. That's a known it's a known mob city. Providence has long been run by organized crime. I, I've seen the departed. I know what happens to the Providence dudes when they try to come to Boston. That's that's the films. That's that's not what that's not what's legit. It's like the New York Mafia, and then like right below that was Providence Mafia. The Providence Mafia are some heavy hitters. At least they were back in the day. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with the mafia. I I just Jay wanna, King I not just, taking a stance on organized crime. I just want to tweet my takes. And have have some it, – it was fun to see the responses. Um, I got a lot of texts like, like you've kind of gone on a rampage on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> like I was I – was, I, it was a – it was a wild weekend for the, the kid's Twitter account. But 
for those members who might be associated with organized crime in the greater Providence area, Jay King does not want the smoke with you. It's not about I, you. I want no smoke. It's it, about it, basketball. This is a basketball take. And the Providence AD being, I quote unquote, a little bitch. Uh, it's <laughs> strictly about that uh, and nothing more. And so we just want to make it very clear here on this podcast where we stand, where Jay King stand. Clown, uh, a hater of the Providence AD, but nothing to do with organized crime. That's yeah. it, folks. That's we're going to do it from us here, sitting live at the uh, coach's podium in the depths of the TD Garden. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Please rate, subscribe, do all those things. But no, like actually do it this time. I say that sometimes at the end of podcasts, and I bet you guys don't listen. Rate the show five stars. Recommend it to a friend. You know, just help us out because we just gave you an hour of content out of the goodness of our hearts. Um now I'm just like begging for uh, reviews and that didn't come off well. And so now I'm just kind of do that thing where I ramble at the end of podcast because I don't really know how to finish it. How would you finish it, Jay? I would just say what you normally say. Oh, what? <laughs> what is that? Anything is possible! <laughs> well done.